Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And we are your killer couple critiquing and arguing over horror films, a couple of weirdos at the bar. So maybe we never quite enlighten you, maybe we never blow your mind, maybe we never summon a bunch of tiny demons to invade your house and steal your childhood, but hopefully you just have a good time listening. So so tonight we are kicking off our month-long theme of entering gateway horror with a film that I think is pretty damn appropriate for the theme, which is the 1987 film, The Gates. <laughs> I see what you did there. You see what I did there? Yep. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so this is a film directed by Tibor Takax, who was a Hungarian director who began his career directing in Canadian television. Uh, he went on to do films such as I, Madman, which I think is a very cool movie. Uh, Gate 2, which I think is a highly underrated sequel that you all should check out, though it's Harder to find, although it's a little easier to find now. It wasn't back in my back when I was a kid. Uh, <laughs> and he also did various TV movies, which included Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the movie. <gasps> so fun little career there. The film was written by Michael Nankin, who actually became a director and producer himself in TV, where he's still working today and has done a ton of shows that you're familiar with, such as Chapelweight, Van Helsing, The Exorcist series. So he's actually been very successful <laughs> yep. since doing this. Uh, and then the film stars Stephen Dorff as Glenn. Uh, this was his first big starring role, which led to a long career, which included uh, playing the villain Deacon Frost in Blade. Uh, he was also in other horror films such as Fear.com, which I think is a little bit underrated, uh, kind of an overlooked movie from the early 2000s, and uh, Leatherface, which he's also in, which I also adore. So <laughs> <laughs> It also has Krista Denton as Al slash Alexandra, who mostly did TV movies, which included The Bad Seed. Uh, unfortunately, she hasn't really worked since 1990, so Aww. not really sure what happened there. I, I, as I usually say, I think she does pretty well in this, so yeah. that's kind of sad. It has Lewis Tripp as Terry. This was his first big role, and he's also actually the star of Gate 2, <gasps> uh, where that film is all about Terry instead of uh, Glenn. <laughs> we need to watch it like yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, it's not as good as The Gate, but Don't it does care. have its good quality. So, uh, plus it has Terry. So it has Terry. That's all I care about. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, I just wanted to also mention the film has Kelly Rowan as Lori Lee, and I wanted to mention her because she actually stars in Candyman Part Two. Oh shit! So it, actually, both of those Lee sisters went on to do a bunch of stuff after this. They were very successful following this. Anyway, so those of you that have not seen The Gate is essentially about a little boy Glenn who discovers this, like, gaping hole in his backyard, and, long story short, accidentally summons a bunch of demons. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. That, that invade his house and try to destroy him and his family. So, <laughs> uh, so if you have not seen The Gate, it is streaming on Tubi. Highly recommend you check it out there. Before listening to this, we are going to spoil everything. It's a fantastic movie. Yep. A big part of my childhood. And it's also worth renting if you don't have 
Tubi or it's not on Tubi where you're at for several, for whatever reason. Uh, but we are going to have our brief little bit of spoiler-free content before we get into spoilers, so we'll let you know when that's about to happen. So as usual, the tagline versus the movie and what we think of it overall. So the tagline for the gate, and bear with me, this is a long one here. There's a passageway, a gate behind which the demons wait to take back what was once theirs. Pray it's not too late. <laughs> So, what do you think of the tagline? What do you think of the gates overall? I mean, that is a long tagline. Yeah, I mean, technically, you could just say, pray it's not too late. You know, they had other taglines, but that's what's on the poster. So, I always go with what's on the poster. I mean, that makes sense. Um, I don't know. I feel like it kind of works for it, in a sense. Like, especially as we're talking about, like, gateway horror, I think having that little paragraph on there. But as far as how I feel with this movie, look, this movie's a blast. Mm. It's super fun. It's a super good movie uh, to like get introduced to horror with. It's so, a great movie to watch as a kid. So you do like it because when I, I first showed it to you and then was asking you about whether or not you'd seen it the other day, you were kind of like, "Man, eh, I don't know. Like some demons get raised, like <laughs> <laughs> like as if you had not been very impressed the first time you watched it." <laughs> I feel like it wasn't necessarily that I wasn't very impressed, but there's there's this phenomenon in our house where Matt will put on a movie and then I will fall asleep, not because it's a bad movie, but because mm. I'm fucking tired. Um, and well, and I always put on horror movies late, so. Yeah, and so sometimes things get a little bit muddled about me remembering it. But for me, watching this one and really paying attention to it, it's super fun. It's a great film about friendship and family and tossing Bibles into holes. Like, the, Honestly, the only thing they're good for is, you know, throwing out at something. Yeah, so. put it in a hole. <laughs> Toss it in a hole. Throwing Bibles at things, that's really all they're necessary yep. for. So, <laughs> Plus, the tiny demons in this are amazing. I love them and would 100% adopt one. Yeah, no, they're great. And and mostly played by actors in suits. And a lot of this is kind of shot with the forced perspective to, to make them appear tiny. So <laughs> I did not realize it was actors in suits. Yeah, not all of it. I think there's some stop motion. I mean, obviously there's stop motion mm -hmm. in the film. But yeah, no, a, a lot of the shots that you see with the demons actually are actors in suits and it's kind of shot with this forced perspective to make it look like they're small a uh, lot a lot of really great technical stuff went into this movie so it's that's it, so cool it, it's one of those films where i look back on it and i just think to myself like we used to be able to do really cool stuff like this in camera <laughs> yeah now i want a it, tiny demon suit yeah, no, it, it just, it used to be magic. And I'm not saying it's not magic now, but it's a different... It's a different It's time. a different kind of magic. So. Agreed. <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I absolutely adore this film. Uh, this was one of the first horror films I actually remember watching. So, you know, you're, you're going to find that for some of these this month, yeah, I, I have to say Most I did them. because because Kristen didn't necessarily grow up on horror movies till later in life. Yep. I, I did go with many horror movies that I watched as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or at least a couple, you know, so... Uh, so no, this was one that I grew up with, one of the first five films I remember seeing from the genre, and it scared the ever-loving shit out of me. <laughs> like, uh, like there, there are moments in this movie that I'll talk about later that I still think are terrifying today, and that's, you know, and I'll talk more about this as we go through, but to me, The Gate, just first of all, being perfect with its title, <laughs> is to me one of the quintessential, like, gateway horror films, and I understand that you know, a, a modern audience, like modern kids are not necessarily growing up with this. You know, I grew up, was born in the 80s, grew up in the 90s, you know, so like, I get it. I know a lot of kids aren't growing up watching The Gate now, but for me, it was one of those quintessential horror films because it's kind of like, when I think of gateway horror, you know, I think of films like 
the, the safer ones, like we're talking about later this month, like Goosebumps and stuff like that. Uh, but then there's that very special kind of gateway horror film, which The Gate is, where it is still safer for kids. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's still, it's not, it's hopefully not going to traumatize you in like a negative way or anything. But it also provides like that next step into something that is a little more terrifying, a little more scary, mm-hmm. uh, that really gives you like a good taste of what the horror genre has to offer from when you get into like, you know, the more violent stuff <laughs> and the scarier stuff. And and so as a kid, you know, it was just perfect for me where it's like, you know, I, I was super into like Scooby-Doo and all that kind of stuff. And the gate was just like the perfect stepping stone to getting into, you know, the the more hardcore horror movies. <laughs> I feel like it's the next it's the next good stepping stone after things like Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, absolutely. Which I mean, to be perfectly honest, you know, I was watching things like Christine and Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> by the time I was like three or four. So so I'm not saying the gate necessarily acted as that stepping stone mm-hmm. for me, but it was still a good stepping stone. It's still stone. a good stepping stone. <laughs> now I'm just curious, for you with the gate, did you watch it on TV or was this a blockbuster thing? Uh, I mean, it was probably both, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, it was de- So I had, like, a handful of movies that I rented from Blockbuster every goddamn week, you know? <laughs> uh, like, every every time my parents would let me go, The Gate was one of the movies that I picked up. And I'm sure I saw it on TV, too. But, yeah, no, mostly this was a Blockbuster rental, you know, back mm-hmm. when we had those. <laughs> uh, I miss Blockbuster. I, ju- I just miss the thrill of, like, going into the movie aisle and, like, looking at all the covers and yeah. things. I just... You know, I do always wonder, like, if it's the same for kids, you know? Like, if they, like, having the streaming services, like, do you feel the same kind of, like, awe or fear of, you know, the movie covers that you're seeing? Because to me, it's a little bit different when it's, like, in person mm-hmm. and you're actually holding the cover and, you know, looking at this VHS tape of, like, oh, my God, what fucking horror <laughs> does this thing hold within it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, so no, but no, it, it's a great film. It's honestly one of the scarier gateway horror films that I can think of, you know, because it does really closely walk the line of being really fucking traumatizing in some ways. (laughs) Oh, there's definitely some trauma in this movie. Yeah, which we'll get into throughout. Um, But so that being said, so we are moving into spoilers. So again, if you have not seen the film, go check it out on Tubi, streaming there. Otherwise, well worth your rental. Uh, We both really enjoy this. Uh, So anyway, spoilers, here we go. Okay, the gate's open. Um, So... (laughs) So, so let's just start off with, I think, the, the kind of main theme of this movie and sort of what is going on here in the beginning. You know, you have this opening nightmare and all of that with, you know, Glenn being worried about his family and stuff. And so, like, just let's just start with, with Glenn and Alexandra and their relationship. What are your thoughts on them? Uh, I love these kids and I would die or kill for these kids. You would die for them. <laughs> I would die for them, but I would also kill for them. I would, I'm I would not kill, going out easy. I could kill for them. You know, dying's a big ask, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know them that well, you know. Look, <laughs> I know their soul, so I will. No, I I am really glad that The Gate is the first movie that we're talking about this month, be, specifically because of these kids, because The Gate is such a great coming-of-age film, yeah. um, especially seen through the lens of all three of our kids, but focusing on the siblings, it's really interesting to see the relationship between Glenn and Alexandra because they're both at really like important landmarks in their childhood, and they're reacting to it in different ways. 
Like with Glenn, he very much seems to have this fear of getting older and growing up. And I feel like we kind of see that with um, his nightmare that he has in the beginning. Not only worried about like being left behind by his family, but also, you know, that moment where he goes up into the treehouse and he finds the baby doll and he comes crashing down in the treehouse. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like all of that is really signifying to Glenn knowing that everybody's growing up he needs to start growing up but he's not really prepared to let that stuff go yet and that's look, okay look at you catching on the symbolism uh, look so <laughs> i can do coming of age shit like the back of my hand i just don't get adults so, so yeah no so so the themes in this movie are very on the nose uh and that's why i get them <laughs> and then, but but i mean but you're still dead on you know because that's exactly what's going on here is like glenn is having this nightmare which by the way a really creepy way to start the movie you know yeah. like this like this, you know i i could have i could have seen uh i could have seen Tex doing a nightmare on elm street movie or something like that mm. because he really he really seems to kind of get how to do nightmares with the gate and and this opening scene is you know really unsettling uh because it you know it strikes at a place that a lot of us go through as kids you know like i went through this as well where it's you you feel like everyone is outgrowing you, and and I personally and I, and I'm sh- and I know you were as well. Like I personally was just this kid who wanted to stay a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, like I didn't really want to grow up necessarily. Like I enjoyed being, you know, the the weirdo kid, like loving you know horror movies <laughs> and playing with the action figures and mm-hmm. video games and stuff like that. You know, like that was great. And and you know I. It was hard for me to see, you know, my other friends and family members that were around my age kind of growing up, you know, Mm. like kind of forgetting the things from childhood, growing out of them, you know. And so so I think that this opening scene and like the overall vibe of the movie between Glenn and Alex like really represents that well because – there there's a fear in that you know there's there's a sense of loneliness and like you've been abandoned in that you know because you feel like you're being forced to have to kind of grow up and then that's where we see alexandra a little bit because you know she is this character who you get the sense that she's kind of like a tomboy you know i i love that they both have these like space they Can't got matching jackets for setting off rockets. Yeah, they have, like, matching space jackets, which kind of gives the hint that, like, maybe they went to space camp together or something mm-hmm. like that. And and Alexandra is this kid who, what is she, 15, I think, in the movie, about to turn 16? Yeah. And she's kind of being, you know, pulled into, like, that adult part of life where, you know, now she's got a, she's got her friends kind of, like, forcing her to look cute for boys. And she's got to, like, host, host parties, you know, and she can't play with rockets anymore or play with her little brother or anything like that and for me alexander is really the one that i relate to more i didn't have growing up i didn't really have the issues that glenn does because i was kind of an oblivious kid um what does that mean <laughs> uh, so for me i didn't ever really feel the pressure to leave childhood behind oh, i got you like there was pressure on me to like be independent and stuff like that but i never felt like glenn does that like i'm being left behind and all that kind of stuff but i can relate to to al's alexandra's shit because i was that tomboy and there is that weird moment when you are kind of a teenager especially a teenage girl where there's this weird pressure to 
I guess the same as Glenn, leave childish things behind, but in a different sense. Mm. You know, it's that pressure to, you know, grow up and that you have to be interested in what all the other girls are interested in. So basically both of the siblings are going through the same thing, but feeling differently about it. Because Alexandra's well, running head first into it, only to find out how disappointing it is. Well, well, and that's the thing. It's like they're they're experiencing it in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Because she's obviously much older than Glenn. You know, Glenn, yeah. Glenn's got to be like nine or ten or something like that he doesn't strike me as a very old kid Mm -hmm. and and you know she's in high school and so like they're they're at different parts of it and you know she's already kind of gone through like what he has she's kind of on the next step of it you know where like there's that there's that middle adult like what teenager or whatever stage and then Mm -hmm. there's becoming an adult and you know she's on that cusp of becoming an adult where it's like now she has to get into things like you know, sex and drugs and all that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> and, and to be honest, she strikes me as a little bit potentially ace, you know, I'm reading a yeah. lot, I'm reading a lot into it, but it's like, I'm going to take it. Cause I relate to her. Yeah. But she, but she doesn't see, she's just not very into like, you know, this kind of stuff. She mm-hmm. doesn't, she doesn't give, she doesn't really seem very into Eric played by Sean Fagan, you know, where she's, she, he, he's just kind of like there, you know? I mean, he is the worst, and so she shouldn't be interested in well, him because fuck him. Well, right, and that's why I can't, you know, say for sure that she's ace because he's obviously the worst, yeah. so I don't think anybody wants that dude. But, but you know, more ace characters in movies, so, like, I'm going to yeah. take it. Um, but, but, no, but she's on that stage, and Glenn, you know, like we were saying, is he's worried about everyone kind of leaving him behind in childhood, which is why, like, the, the whole destruction of the treehouse is just such a perfect symbol of that you know because the because the treehouse is like the symbol of childhood i never you, had one i'm really pissed i never had one. <laughs> oh, i had a dope ass one it was I, never in a tree but it was amazing oh well, i bet you did uh but i never did you know i'm gonna build that when we eventually have a house i'm just gonna build a treehouse that i can go sit in by myself so. awesome <laughs> uh and read comics but no but it gets destroyed and it you know, then the other thing added on to that is this is also where the demons come from. Mm-hmm. You know, the demons come from the hole where the treehouse was dug out of. The destruction you know? of childhood and innocence. Sort of, yeah. Yes. It, it's essentially, it's essentially this Nailed idea it. of, <laughs> it's essentially this idea of like, you know, Glenn is kind of being plagued by like these sort of inner demons and worries mm-hmm. about what is changing in his life. You know, and so it makes sense that they're coming out of this place that, like, represents, you know, everything about him as a kid. Yeah. And and it's just really fun, like, kind of seeing the little symbolic moments throughout the movie of this because, you know, like, the, the moment that Alexandra tells him uh, he can't party with them, that's when he breaks the geode, not... Mm-hmm. Not uh, Terry, who's been trying at it for a while, because Terry's a whole other thing we'll talk about in a second, but that's when the geode breaks. And then the first time that we get any hint of the demons themselves, you know, is a shadow appearing over Glenn's family photo, right? And then later on, you know, Glenn sees that family photo and his whole <laughs> family is dead except for him, you know, yep. just again, kind of like hitting home this vibe of, you know, Glenn is being passed on like he, he yeah. is being left behind uh, yeah. from everyone else so. yeah, everything <laughs> in this movie really is playing on his his fears and his insecurities and stuff like that and that's for me one of the reasons why i really love the relationship between glenn and alexandra um because we have a sibling relationship here and you know in in horror films a lot of the times we have um 
you know, siblings who don't always get along or anything like that. And what mm. I think is so cool about this movie is the fact that it is showcasing that one of the difficult parts about growing up with having siblings is how do you redefine that relationship? And, like, well, how do you keep that relationship strong when you're kind of going in opposite directions? Well, it's a different approach because usually in a film like this, you know, Alexandra wouldn't come back around to where Glenn is, you know? Yeah. It, 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 usually in a movie like this, like, Alexandra would be, like, again, I go back to something like Nightmare on Elm Street, which, you know, doesn't directly work with this, but, like, Nightmare on Elm Street is always about how the adults are just oblivious to our problems as teenagers, right? Mm-hmm. And and usually in a movie like this, like, Alexandra is representative of that teenager world, and so she would generally be one of those characters that's just kind of oblivious to everything going on with Glenn. And this is a different case where, like, she still hasn't completely crossed over to that world, so she is still there with Glenn. And, I mean, you know, the kind of nice thing about the movie is it's it's kind of pointing more at how that's a better way to be, you know? Yeah. Like, how there is something special about uh, childish things and childhood, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to, like, you know, fucking makeup and, and dudes <laughs> Giving and Giving into the societal <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, exactly. So, but, you know, but then there's Terry, who is just a whole, a whole different thing, and... Fucking love this kid. Well, I love this kid because, in a lot of ways, Terry was me. Like, I'm, I'm, I was kind of a combination of these two kids, you know, because... Mm-hmm. I, I was a little bit Glenn in, in like I was saying before, how I kind of felt like I was being passed over and everything. And and I was also kind of like Glenn in that, you know, Glenn's like a smaller kid. And I was never necessarily short, but I was still kind of like the the runt of my friends, you know, <laughs> like like I've always been like the skinniest and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And and they were all like bigger, stronger kids. And so, so I feel – and, and, you know, so I felt like Glenn that way, but Terry is the kid who's, like, into all the, the cool stuff. Yep. You know, ter- Terry, like, I would have been best friends with Terry as a kid because he's into all the, like, yeah. heavy metal shit, and, you know, he probably loves horror and stuff like that. And so the thing with Terry, though, is that, you know, we learned that Terry's mom has died a year ago, and the thing that I think is interesting about that is, for one, Terry's in a different place than Glenn. Terry, yeah. Terry's already kind of grown up. You know, because mm-hmm. Terry has Terry's still a kid, but he's experienced death already. Yep. You know, and that's something that Glenn hasn't encountered that we know of at this point. And and you know, Glenn I think senses that as well because I think he some part of him understands that Terry is kind of moving into a different world because Terry understands the world a little bit more than Glenn does at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, Terry has more of a more of a lived life and having gone through this death, whereas whereas Glenn is still kind of living in that, you know, sort of like innocent child kind of phase. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I feel like it's really interesting because, like, when we look at the three kids, you have Glenn who doesn't want to grow up. We have Alexander who's kind of pushing herself into growing up in a way that she's not necessarily comfortable with. And then we have Terry who's been forced to grow up. And I feel like we see that the best when he goes home after their slumber party and we see what a disarray the house is in. Yeah, it's just he, him and his dad. He's all by dad. himself. We, mm-hmm. we, we never even see his dad. Yeah, we never see his dad. His dad's on a business trip. And it's, it's really interesting with Terry because... You know, there's there's this interesting conversation that um, Glenn has with his dad about Terry and, you know, 
Glenn's dad kind of has this whole line about how, you know, Terry's going to be a little bit strange and he's going to be a little bit angry because of what he's what he's gone through. And that's what I think is really kind of interesting to watch with Terry is that this is a boy who's still going through his grief, Mm. his grief of losing his mom and not exactly knowing his place in the world, because I think that he does want to be more like Glenn. He wants to hold on to you know, this make-believe and things like that, but he's been forced to have to let go of it. Well, well he's been forced to recognize, like, there, there's a whole lot of darkness in the world and not just fun, magical shit, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> and And it's why, like, it's why I'm glad that part two ends up focusing on Terry, because to me, Terry is, like, the secret main character of the gate. Because, yeah. because to me, like, you know, Glenn, the shit that Glenn's going through is... I'm trying to think of the best word for it is like modest, you know, Mm -hmm. it's modest in, in comparison to the others. Like he's, he's just going through the fact of like, Oh, you know, my, my friends are getting into other things that I'm not quite into yet, or, or they understand things more than I do. And like, that's a perfectly relevant fear that we've all been through. But, but to me, Terry is the one that is really troubled by, the the kind of inner demon sort of coming out right Mm -hmm. and and so to me like this story is really a lot about him and kind of his own demons and we end up just kind of seeing it through like glenn's point of view you know but to me like so so you know this was 1987 when this film came out and you know this was kind of like roughly around the whole like satanic panic era you know (laughs) and and it's the one thing that that I love yet hate about the movie is that Terry is this kid that, you know, really represents a, a lot of the stuff that us outcasts kind of grew up behaving like, you know, with, mm-hmm. we were kind of like fucking, you know, fuck you sort of kids who like listen to music like this. And we're into the darker things like Terry is, and we're kind of assholes or whatever. And, you know, so a lot of us were like that and we relate to that. But the movie is also at the same time, while giving sympathy to Terry, also kind of implying him as like the bad example of what Glenn shouldn't be. <laughs> A you little. Know? Because, like, well, because you, yeah. you have his dad sort of being like, oh, you know, Terry's going to be angry. And like, mm-hmm. you know, his dad is thankfully like sympathetic, but still yeah. kind of is. You know, cautioning cautious about terry uh mm-hmm. his mom is saying the things like if terry jumped off a bridge would you you know like like almost sort of acting like terry's like a bad example you know mm-hmm. and then it, it just all that stuff that terry is kind of doing like the the playing the record backwards and you know all the demonology stuff like that was all the stuff that you know midwest white people were scared the shit of so, <laughs> <laughs> so he he's very much like representative of like the the darkness of what you can become when you grow out of childhood Mm -hmm. and and like the troubled kid you know oh he's troubled because he listens to heavy metal or something you know so so there's there's a few like sort of cliches with terry that i don't necessarily love but i understand where they come from yeah i guess i can understand that but at the same time i feel like at least for me this movie is saying like you can have the satanic panic but this is what's saving the day like, no, 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 I understand. Mm. I'm not saying that. Like, okay. it, it, it's, I guess what I'm getting at is, like, there's still, it's still frustrating to watch, like, the the aspects of the movie mm-hmm. that are that are trying to paint Terry like the bad the example. Symbol, yeah. But, yeah, but the overall message is still, like, Terry's not. He's the not, hero. 
Well, he's not the hero. He's the hero. He's not the hero in the movie, but he is. He has the record. He's the one who knows his shit. If they didn't have Terry, they'd be fucked. Chris, I love you, but he's not the hero of the movie. <laughs> like, I mean, like I said, he's my secret main character, but he's still not the hero of the movie. Like, he figures some shit out. and He figures cer- everything out. He certainly plays a heroic role, but he's yep. not the hero of the movie. That's obviously Glenn. Uh, but, but Fuck Glenn. Well, okay then. Um, but, you know... But Terry, but Terry's just, he's this kid that I feel like all of this is a lot about him because I think aside from the Alexandra thing, Glenn is worried about losing his friend. Mm -hmm. You know, Glenn is worried about Terry, you know, perhaps if not outgrowing him, uh, just becoming someone that Glenn doesn't recognize, you know? Yeah. Uh, Because you definitely get the sense that like Terry used to be a lot different probably a year before this. Mm -hmm. And so, so I see a lot of that in this. And then the thing that's also interesting to me, too, and, and this is another one of those examples of, like, there's no direct implication of this, but I'm just saying it because, <laughs> yes, I want more characters like this in horror. Uh, but there's also, like, a, a suggestive queerness to Terry mm-hmm. uh, because he, for one, he doesn't really seem in the girls. And, again, you know, they're young. So He's, I mean, like, <laughs> eight, man. Well, whatever. I was in the girls that age, but he. <laughs> As the ace but person, he, I don't get that. <laughs> well, I know you don't, but but he but you know he doesn't really seem in the girls, and and then there's just a lot of suggestive imagery like him wearing like the rainbow blanket, mm. and and again, it's not to say that he is, but but it it feels like another one of those things that the director is using to imply that Terry is just like this outcast that the parents are afraid of, you know, of like don't don't be into heavy metal don't be queer you know like all this kind of stuff don't be like terry don't be like terry you know and so and so that just see it just feels like another part of him that's there mm-hmm. uh if you want it to be and i do want it to be because more queer characters so in the world, please. but <laughs> but but there's just but yeah but so the relationship is really interesting because it's really mm-hmm. all just about like you know Glenn just being super terrified that he's just losing all these people in his life. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. And I think um, I think that makes sense, especially when we look at the fact that Terry's the first one taken. You know, once shit oh, yeah. starts going down. Well, because he, he's lost all of his innocence. Yeah, well, he's lost all of his innocence, but I would also make the argument that Glenn already kind of feels like he's losing his sister. We've mm. seen that throughout the movie. And so I think him losing Terry is a much worse thing to happen to him. And so that's why I kind of feel like Terry gets taken first because without that, Glenn doesn't have as big of a support system. Like, that's fair. I mean, that's I, how I feel. I don't know. I, I view it more as like Terry's just in a darker place. So he, <laughs> so he, so he succumbs to the darkness easier. Well, the way to look at it is again, we're we learned that Terry's mom died a year ago. So you kind of you, you kind of start to understand like Glenn's probably been experiencing this with Terry for quite a while. Mm-hmm. It's it's Alexandra that's kind of like the newer one that is kind of growing out of him a little bit. You know. Okay. So so I view that more as like Terry Terry is 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 further along than Alexandra. Like obviously they're still friends and they hang out. But there, but there's a certain darkness to Terry that isn't in Alexandra that Glenn doesn't relate to. Is that why Terry yeah. bites him? Doesn't let go? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes your friends just bite you. I don't know. <laughs> what kind of friends do you have? Well, look. Speaking of biting, you know the I, I gotta mention the you know just kind of speaking of like the darkness and Terry and everything. It the, the moment in this like when I said this movie scared the shit out of me as a kid, mm-hmm. I meant it. And and one of the 
one of the moments that still gets me is is terry dancing with his dead mother in the living room only to discover that his that he's actually dancing with the dead dog you know i want to punch the demons in the dick for that it's a low blow right it's a real low blow dick move demons (laughs) yeah it's that's such a heartbreaking scene because like to your point up until that moment terry has been I'm not really going to say that he's been angry, but he's been the tougher kid. You know, he's been the more adult kid between him and and Glenn. And the moment that he sees his mom and he starts tearing up, we get reminded that Terry's a small child, too. And so, like, I kind of feel like it's this it's this first moment that we really get to see Glenn as the child that he is. And these fucking demons make him relive that traumatic moment all over again when they're like, haha, this isn't your mom. It's actually a dog like. Fuck these demons. Well, obviously, fuck the demons. Yep. Um, but, <laughs> but no. But I. But I think that the relevance of this scene is that you know, th- this is, again is the thing that we all kind of go through in childhood, where it's like learning about death, right? Mm-hmm. Like I. Like I still remember. I still remember my first time with it. I'm not going to talk about it here because I'll cry. But like the. But you know the, that that first time that you learn about that, it, it's so much different. Like you know, and, and it's funny because. A lot of us horror kids grow up, like, acknowledging death, you know, because we're watching it in movies and stuff like that. But there, but there's a really – there's a reality to, like, when it actually happens, you know. Yeah. And I feel like that's why a lot of us kind of grew up with horror because in – for me personally, like, being the outcast, you know, there's something that is just comforting about horror movies and kind of facing – you know, a lot of this darkness in a safe way, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of where I found solace in them is that they they sort of like help you grow up kind of in a safer way. You know, where it's yeah. like you're not you're not directly experiencing it yourself. You're watching a, a fake. You know, you're watching a fake play basically. Yeah. And so so it's kind of easier to acknowledge things so that you're hopefully like more prepared for it in life. Mm-hmm. And you know, and so the thing here again, this this is just a great example of like you know, uh, uh, coming of age kind of movie here is that, you know, this whole scene is like, it's, it's Glenn revisit or no, it's Terry revisiting, you know, the thing with his mom, but it's also Glenn experiencing death directly himself for the first time too. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause, cause that's where a lot of us get it from is, you know, the, the death uh, of an animal. Uh, yeah. Uh, like that, that was my first one that I can remember was the, you know, the death of my parents' dog that they got like two weeks before I was born. So, so we kind of like grew up together. So it's like, you know, it's just like this moment though is just so fucking creepy too Oof. with, with all of the just fog and the whispery mother, you know, mm-hmm. and then the cut to the shot of like the dead dog face and God damn it. I hate <laughs> it when horror movies kill the dog, you know, yeah. but he comes back in the end. <laughs> it does come back in the end. So yep. at least there's that, it, you know, this is probably the first dog or the only dog to die in a movie, but not actually die. <laughs> but it comes back, but he traumatizes Terry twice because like, there's the moment with, there's that nightmare. With oh, the he mom. does. Yeah. And then, yeah, they, they're looking in the bed thinking that Terry's there and they pull back the sheet and there's the dog just lying there. This dog is haunting this house. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, dogs do that though. You know, like even living dogs, they're like a shadow that just haunts you everywhere you go. It's true. Our dog follows us everywhere or stares at us or sits in the closet and stares at us (laughs) at the bathroom door when you're in the bathroom. So anyway, 
you know, but the but the thing why this is all here is that you know again, it, death is like a part of kind of growing up, right? And the other part of that that connects with like the gate and the demons and everything is that there's also that sort of point where you know, look, I understand not everybody believes in heaven and hell. I don't, but it was mm-hmm. it's what I was brought up with. But there, there's that there's that period in your childhood where you're also kind of brought up with, if not in heaven and hell, the 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 sort of idea of like what happens after death you know the afterlife the afterlife and for a kid you know growing up under the idea of hell like that's fucking terrifying (laughs) you know you know how fucking traumatic it is for a kid to to have like nuns and priests telling them that they're gonna go to a fucking like hellfire place with demons poking their ass with you know with with knives and shit for all of eternity if they're, if they're, like, a bad kid, like, that's fucking traumatic. I'm so glad I didn't you know? grow up religious. It fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. Um, you know, there's a good reason I don't I don't believe in any of that stuff or celebrate any of it, you know? like Because they traumatized it, you? Uh, it's just a fucking bunch of bullshit to scare people, you know? So, like, so, so that, you know, there, there's a traumatic thing in recognizing that, like, we're gonna die. And mm-hmm. there's something... And, and something's and, gonna judge you on the other and, side, and, and there might be something <laughs> judging you on the other side, you know. So I also kind of look at this as like these kids, you know, being related to demons, is they're all sort of kind of dealing with that knowledge, you know, of like not just death itself, but the fact that there is potentially something after that, and if you are not good, mm-hmm. you could go to that bad place, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, which is why I love that we have the scene. Like, to me, it's no coincidence that Terry's the one that falls down the hole mm-hmm. and, and nearly is taken by the demons there. Yeah. Because, like I was saying before, like, Terry, at this point in the movie, is the one who is closest to uh, kind of being on that dark side. Eternal as, damnation. Yeah, he, he, he's <laughs> the closest to, like, being that, you know, eternally damned kid mm-hmm. or whatever. Again, why I sort of, like, disagree with elements of it, because I'm like, oh, come on, the kid just listens to heavy metal and shit. Like, yeah. that doesn't make him a bad person. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but but he is the closest to being there, right? Yeah. And so and so him falling down the hole is, like, getting a taste of that, of, like, oh, like, shit, like, this is hell, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, I think to your point, it is showcasing the fact that Terry, out of all of them, is the one who is most constantly, fa- uh, who's constantly fighting his own demons and having mm. to, like, have these internal battles that Alexandra and Glenn, bless their fucking souls, really just don't understand because they haven't had to go through that. This whole experience is their first time really going through something similar to what Terry's going through. Only theirs happen to have like tiny little dudes with only three well, fingers rocking around. Well, well, and this is why I mean, and this is one of the most fascinating parts about the movie is that you know, usually in a horror film, like a bunch of people die. Yeah, <laughs> and and in the gate. We're given like plenty of characters that could be fodder. That could totally be fodder. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't I don't think any of us would be opposed to seeing the Lee sisters bite it, right? But I want <laughs> Eric to die. And Eric. But you know, but the funny thing about the movie is even though we're given like multiple opportunities for something to happen to those characters, the only characters who who were believed to have died in the film until the end are terry and alexandra yep you know again kind of going back to that thing of like i think that this whole movie is stemming from the death of terry's mom because to me those two being the only ones to be taken are also emblematic of the fact that glenn has sort of learned of death through terry 
and now he's kind of afraid. He he's sort of like correlating them moving on with dying. Mm-hmm. You know, with with it's it either way it's like an absence out of his life, right? Mm-hmm. So so I think there's a certain fear with him of he hasn't experienced it directly himself, but now he's worried about the people he cares most about you know sort yeah. of moving on in that way right yeah because i feel like that's the fear that you have when you're a kid and you face death for the first time because you don't oh, yeah you don't really understand it and then you're like oh my god this motherfucker died what if that person dies what if this person dies you don't understand especially when you're a kid how it like corresponds you suddenly start right. thinking anybody or everybody could die but right. that's one of the things that I kind And then you grow up and you just think every day you're going to die. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it becomes like when, weirdly easier to deal with. Yeah, like when you're a kid, it's like everyone else is going to die. And when you gonna die someday. die. <laughs> going to die, it's like, man, I'm going to die someday. Everyone else is going to live and I'm going to die. Yeah. That's weirdly what I kind of like about the demons in this film is they're like, you know what? We don't need a lot of blood. We're going to traumatize you guys a little bit, but we're not going to kill y'all. We just want to, like, come up and play for a bit. Yeah, they're not very violent demons. <laughs> no, the, the big demon at the end gives Glenn a, a hand eye. Like, he pats him on the head, gives him a hand eye. These are actually fairly nice demons, all things considering. Except for the ones that fucking bite Terry. Fuck those ones. Yeah, I got something to say about that in a minute. But, the, but as for the demons themselves, like, again, you know, just referencing like fucking phenomenal effects work here oh, like i so cool like no one watching this for the first time would probably think like oh yeah that's a bunch of people in a costume like you didn't no, know that i right? did not know that like just amazing effects work uh, that blew my mind as a kid obviously but but the demons themselves like they you know to me they are like just they are the anxieties and fears that we have as a kid they're everything that glenn's feeling again i think they're also very symbolic of like what terry's going through i mm-hmm. do think this is his movie in a lot of ways <laughs> but um, he's not the hero well no he's not the hero because he <laughs> fucking dies first chris <laughs> can't be the hero and die first <laughs> he's the only reason glenn knows what to do no he's not because glenn doesn't do what terry said in the end <laughs> But no, but, you know, he, and the thing that's fun about just kind of the way that the demons sort of play in this is, uh, again, why I just think this is like a great coming-of-age gateway horror movie is that the demons play on all these things that we're terrified of as kids. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we've got the the giant, like, long arms coming out from under the bed, which, seriously, freaky as hell. (laughs) It is. That's, that would freak me out. Like, when Alexander's getting grabbed by the two hands, like, that's freaky enough, but then when she starts running away and you have, like, the super long arm like shootout like come on that should give me nightmares as a child (laughs) that would make me jump onto my bed that that shit made me push my bed against the wall so that i only had one side that could potentially have demon hands come out of it and yes i did used to jump off my bed as a kid to get at least three feet away from the bed when i was leaving the bed look (laughs) that's fucking smart i get that Damn right that's smart. Yeah. You gotta have fucking monster under the bed protection. <laughs> See, they I, don't teach you these things in school. <laughs> I was the exact opposite. When I got afraid of things under my bed, I slept on the floor because that way... What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Why would you sleep on the floor where the thing can get you the easiest? <laughs> because I didn't want to be stressed out about the possibility of it coming up and over that's the so bed. That's so stupid. You're basically just like, hey, I don't want to worry about it, so just fucking kill me. Yes, <laughs> like, that was my exact <laughs> thought what process. Fu- what kind of fucking response is that to the monster under the bed my thought process was literally just i don't want to deal with that shit if you're gonna take me just fucking take me god damn you were a special <laughs> child um <laughs> yes i was no yeah no no listen they need a class on this in school for kids just like you okay <laughs> you don't sleep on the floor that's where the monster is <laughs> yeah i get that 
Okay. Just take me. Just fucking you take me. You I'm sleep, done with this shit. You don't sleep on the floor, and you get one of those beds that has all the wooden paneling around it, so that That's there is worse. no, so that there's no place for the monster to hide under the bed. But then it can <laughs> rattle against the thing and make sounds. Whatever, it can't get you. <laughs> bust through that shit. Anyway, so so like you have that element of it, uh, and then. It, you know, I think, like, the parents thing is really great. That's actually one of my favorite moments in the movie when Glenn goes out to, like, he sees his parents. Like, Ooh. oh, yay, they're back, you know. And, they can and, save me from this nightmare. Right. And then he goes to hug his dad and his fucking dad's face just, like, melts off. Like, look, people got to understand, like, for, for a six-year-old, that's, fucking, that's some fucked up shit. That's some fucked up shit. <laughs> uh, like, that, like that, that by far was the scariest moment of the movie to me when I was a kid, and it still is. Because uh, it's just like it's it's basically like a really gory moment without the gore. Yeah, you know, because Dad's face is fucking falling apart and it's yep. full of like bugs and shit. So yeah, but 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 that but that itself is like again going back to that fear of you know the the kind of fear I think that some kids go through as they're growing up where you sort of realize like your parents aren't who you thought they were. <laughs> they're not infallible gods anymore. Well, no, not that they're not infallible gods, but like, you know, for me personally, like when my parents went through a divorce and everything, like you start to learn more about your parents as you grow up, you know, mm -hmm. you start to learn because when you're a kid, you're like, that, that's mom and dad. Oh, that's mom and dad. And they just are who they are. Right. But, but as you're, but as you grow up, you kind of get more mature and you understand things more mm -hmm. and you sort of start to see them as more like, people rather yeah. than mom and dad if that makes sense yeah they be you realize that they're flawed human beings <laughs> yeah exactly like mm -hmm. they they have their shit too right is yeah. what you kind of realize and you don't really think about that when you're five years old so no. but then also the 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 man in the wall right which mm -hmm. which glenn learns about through this uh, ghost story from terry and to me that that man in the wall is basically like he is the he's the epitome of you know the the stranger danger that that we're told about as a kid right <laughs> of like don't you know don't interact with strangers because you know they might kidnap you or something and and that's exactly what this fucking dude is doing he's he's, <laughs> he's you know taking he doesn't, people he doesn't he doesn't kill terry or alexander he kidnaps them and mm -hmm. takes them off to hell right and so so he he's very emblematic of like that that adult that we're supposed to be afraid of or that adult that we might be becoming like either way it's this fear of adulthood and and adults in general you know mm -hmm. it, i mean that's interesting for me i took it more as this is the last vestige really of glenn's childhood fear because it's one of those things where like glenn tells the story about the man who died and got encased in the walls to his dad and his dad dismisses it terry admits that he made the story up but i think for me the man in the wall is really symbolic of, of it's really symbolic of that that growing up moment where like you see the teens the teens are telling horror stories it's something the teens the teens <laughs> the youths i am but you know Goddamn the, youths. <laughs> but you know that's something that we like doing as as kids we like telling scary stories because we know that it's fun being scared but also we don't Fuck yeah it is yeah but we don't necessarily believe in them but glenn speak for yourself <laughs> But I he, believed every ghost story when I was a kid. <laughs> well, and that's what I think is happening with Glenn and the man in the wall. He believes that that man in the wall is real in a way that neither Terry nor Al do, right? And mm. so I kind of view it as this is this is all about Glenn's fears. And so this is this last moment of childhood fear 
that if he can't let go of that, will come and take everything away. Yes, but if you look at the symbolism between the walls, <laughs> if you I will if never you surface symbolism only. If you look deeper than the surface no. of the wall and into the plaster of it, I'm not going into the hole. <laughs> That's what she said. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, that is what she said. <laughs> no, but the, nice joke. Uh, but but no, I mean, yes, no. I think it's a valid point. Like, it is definitely you know Glenn's fears that he's not overcoming and kind of mm-hmm. like the danger of that and everything. Um, but also but, stranger danger. Well, well, I just I just like it as that is like you know this idea that like there's adulthood is scary mm-hmm. and and there are the adults that you can't trust you know yeah. and that's kind of what this is is like that that this guy is this creepy zombie adult <laughs> that's just kidnapping his best friends right <laughs> yep but no and then of course you know this all leads us to like the ending of the movie <laughs> which is uh, first of all i awesome like yes. I, <laughs> like i like i love this ending i love glenn shooting this rocket into the damn creature i love the creature itself yep. uh, which was not a guy in a costume that is stop motion <laughs> <laughs> you know i i love that it's like sort of it's, it's a very a, unique image of like the devil or whatever you want to call it. It's it's very Lovecraftian in yeah, a sense with all the tentacles and whatnot. He's, he's not the devil. He's an elder god. He predates Christianity. Right. Exactly. That's what the record says. I listened to Terry. Well, more people should, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> including me. Uh, but no. But the, you know, all that's great. But but the thing that I love about this too is that first of all, the whole hell on earth thing, like. The ending of childhood feels like hell on earth, you know? Yeah. Like, when we're kids, like, everything feels exaggerated by a hundred, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So it's like that first breakup, you're like, oh, my God, I'll never find anyone who likes me again, you know? And then that is totally bullshit. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, everything feels so much more dramatic as a kid. And so, you know, the whole hell on earth thing is perfect for, like, what it's like to to feel like you're growing up, you know? Yeah. And all the magic is kind of leaving life a little bit. Then, it, you know, to me, the whole thing with the rocket being shot into the demon, it's basically like the the light of your childhood being so bright that it's like, fuck you, demon. Banishes the darkness. <laughs> right, it banishes that shit, you know? It's like, and this is where, like, the positive message of the movie comes in, is that, you know, despite terry kind of going down this hole a little bit and Mm -hmm. and despite all of their inner demons and stuff like it's basically just saying that there's a magic in childhood that overcomes these things you know like if you just focus on being a kid when you are a kid then you know that that is so much more brighter and special than like anything else yeah than anything else Uh, for me i really love this ending because it's something that i feel like we don't we get it a lot more often in in these coming of age horror films and these gateway horror films and i think that it's perfect because i think it's what kids really need to learn and that's the fact that you can lose you can lose you can fuck up hell on earth can fucking rain down and that's not the fucking end it's not like you (laughs) if to your point it feels like it but you can bounce back you can still like defeat your demons even if it means you have to fucking stab the eye in your hand yeah Yeah, but i mean it does also kind of give off that thing though of like (laughs) 
you know, the th- the number one thing I learned in life is there's no save button. You yep. know? And and the gate sort of implies of like, no, nah, there's a save button. Like you can, s- all your friends will come back from the dead. You know. So. <laughs> I I don't view it as that because like no, so, I know. Yeah. Um, but I think it's interesting because like you view the rocket as as childhood, and me, I took the very surface level interpretation of it. Do you just think the rocket blows up? <laughs> no, no. But like, there's when Terry's talking about how you defeat the elder god, it's supposed to be a beam of life that represents love and the rocket really is it's al's present to to glenn for his birthday which is the giant rocket oh, yeah. and, and glenn's present to al so it's all about like familial love and no i mean liter- like that. literally that's what it is yeah, yeah but but it's for me i kind of view it as just like there's not a save button you're right but, but if you love something like you can totally overcome a weird six-armed like bug monster with tentacles Oh, sure enough. But, you know, the funny thing, too, you mentioned the hand. Like, the thing with the hand, aside from being a, a really grotesque effect, <laughs> is that um, I sort of laugh when I see that because I know what it's symbolizing. Like, because it's, I believe it's Glenn's left hand. And so it's supposed to be like, you know, the, the devil, the idle hand sort of thing, right? The devil's oh, hand. Okay. Um, I, I, I more laughed because I took it as like, you know, when you. <laughs> <laughs> like in Christianity specifically, you know, they're always kind of like, oh, God's always watching you and your <laughs> sins, you know, and and there's this certain idea of like, <laughs> of like, God is watching, you know, you're uh, uh, masturbating's a sin or whatever. And I love. <laughs> He's eight. <laughs> doesn't matter you can still you can still play with it a little so like so 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 i so i so i i i know what i know the actual meaning of it is again being the devil's idle hand but and then it's watching over him but i but i almost sort of took it too as like it's it's this symbol of like sin you know basically of like it's basically demon telling this eight-year-old child you have sinned well, it, well, it's telling him you are you're growing up. You're gonna be a sinner, or something like that. You know, something like you're that. You're gonna touch yourself, and I'm gonna watch. Right, exactly. Look. You're gonna touch yourself, and I'm gonna watch, and I'm gonna invite my friends over. Ew, you know? he's eight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, this is all very wrong. Um, but See, I just, I just like it as the demon going, "Hey, little buddy, you let me go. We're best friends now. Here's a present. If you need me, I'm watching out." No, he's for a you. fucking demon, Chris. He's do, he's doing nasty things. He's just there to he watch. He pats him <laughs> on the head. He cares about him. No, he doesn't. <laughs> this demon cares about Glenn. No, the de- the demon's basically saying, "Welcome to adulthood, motherfucker." You know, like, <laughs> sucks to suck, bitch. Here's an eye. Hope you feel better. Right. Exactly. So. <laughs> But no, but the other thing I got to say here, too, is that so, you know, this is where one of my sort of theories about it all comes in. And that's the fact that I think this whole damn movie is a dream. I, th- I think from the moment it starts to the moment it ends, it's a dream. And none th- of it happens. None of it happens. And the reason I say that is that, you know, first of all, you have the whole sort of I, I mean, the ending itself is almost kind of like an it was all a dream ending, you know, because everyone who died comes back mm-hmm. like they're all saved just because he beat the demon yeah but the house uh, is still fucked well that yes chris if you <laughs> let me finish my fucking paragraph the house is still fucked though so obviously the movie's implication is that it wasn't the dream and then it did happen but but when you start a movie with a dream you know kind of like nightmare on elm street does there's the implication that like you can't trust anything that the movie's doing after that you know once you establish that you're in this sort of surreal kind of dreamlike vibe in a movie then 
you can't trust that anything that happens after that is actually real. You know, th that logic applies to Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, where, you know, it opens with a dream, and the way that it ends is basically like a dream. And you're kind of left sitting there like, well, what the fuck was real and what wasn't? You yeah. know, did that just happen or was that a dream? And so it's sort of the same thing here where it's like we open up with this dream with Glenn and by ending with this sort of it was all a dream ending minus the house being fucked up, you know, it's this feeling of like, well, what of this was actually real and what wasn't, you know? And so I sort of look at it as like one long nightmare from Glenn about the fear about what we've been talking about the fear of losing everybody you know i mean, I can get behind that i mean eight-year-olds are very unreliable narrators so you can't trust yeah. a fucking thing they say you can't trust anything <laughs> a fucking eight-year-old says well, you know? they're fucking, it's all bullshit they're tiny little psychopaths <laughs> <laughs> kids say the weirdest shit you know yep. <laughs> so yeah that that tracks that lines up right well i mean you know through the whole movie i mean the thing the topics does really well is that there's this constant sort of surreality to it, right? You know, where it's just, or, or surrealism, there's this constant surrealism to it where, you know, the, the way that the demons are presented, a lot of it feels like a dream. You know, a lot of it's very atmospheric mm -hmm. and it, it is kind of, it's extremely supernatural, like the phone melting, yep. you know, the parents showing up and just being a vision, uh, all the hands coming through the walls and everything. Like, it's all very nightmarish. Yeah. You know, like, beyond the normal sort of horror movie kind of nightmare, right? Mm -hmm. And so so there definitely just is this sort of feeling of, like, none of this is actually happening. Yeah, I get that. Also, like, what fucking demon writes out the commands to summon them on a fucking knockoff Etch-A-Sketch? Like, that's not happening. That's not real. I mean, I love that as part of, like, the coming-of-age thing, right? It's like, you know... Normally, we'd see it in, like, the Necronomicon or something <laughs> like that. But for kids, it's on a fucking Etch-A-Sketch. It's on an Etch-A-Sketch, <laughs> and all of the answers are in a record. And also, I don't know how they did that on the Etch-A-Sketch, right? Like, I was terrible with the Etch-A-Sketch. Like, I couldn't right? draw shit on the Etch-A-Sketch. I mean, for I'm those of you that didn't grow up with an Etch-A-Sketch, that shit was fucking hard. Yeah. Like, you're, you're turning two knobs, like, to try to, like... Well, this and this is worse, because it's not an Etch-A-Sketch. It's one of those goddamn things where you have to take the, like, little wand and put the magnetic bits in the right spot. The shit fucking sucked. I hated it so <laughs> it, much. They it's cheated. Just, it's the just demons funny. cheated. It's just funny to me now, because, like, you can draw on your iPad now with your finger, you know? Yep. And, it, and it's like back... We had fucking little knobs. Right, back, back then, we're sitting there, like, turning little knobs, like we're trying to find the right satellite <laughs> single, right? And, like, and, and if I remember correctly, like, you couldn't necessarily, like, space in between the lines, because nope. you're, you know, so it, fucking terrible. Fucking we had ter sucked. We had terrible toys as kids. <laughs> True, but, but at least I, I had a treehouse. Fuck your treehouse. <laughs> I, ho I hope it crashed and burned just like Glenn's and was swallowed up by a demon hole. <laughs> sure did. We moved. I don't know what the fuckers did no, with you it. Probably, you probably fell in that hole and you are a demon now. Um, so that anyway. sounds about right. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so we got to start wrapping up. So who's your killer idiot of the gate? That's fucking Eric for dumping poor Angus's body in the goddamn hole. Fuck you, bro. Actually, I don't know if he's an idiot. He is an idiot, but I just hate him. So he's my killer idiot. Well, he definitely is an idiot. Yeah. I, I said him, but not for the same reason, because, I mean, you know, to be honest, like probably any teenager would do that, given the opportunities. <laughs> oh, fucking uh, suck. Uh, but but I, I just I just put him as the idiot because to me, he's like, you know, he's a, he's as interesting as a toolbox. Like he he's a fucking moron. <laughs> and, and he's meant to be that way because we're meant to look at him like, 
Man, I, I get why Al wants nothing to do with this <laughs> dumb motherfucker. <laughs> you dodged a bullet not dating this idiot. Yeah, you dodge a bullet, Al. <laughs> you, you be your ace way. <laughs> yes. So since we don't have technically an actual death in this movie, we're going to do killer scare instead. So what is your killer scare of the gates? <laughs> I mean, for me, that's the, the dad face melting bit. Just because, like, it's such a visceral moment because it's not just that his face melts, it's that Glenn puts his hands on his dad's face and then it caves in, like, right. well, so I, fucked up. I almost take it like Glenn is, like, smashing his face, you know? Yes. It's almost like Glenn being like, fuck you, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> Why are you yelling at me? You fucking say I need a babysitter. <laughs> no, that's mine, too. I, I that, move, that moment is absolutely terrifying. Like, it, it's the one... It's the one that haunted me as a child. <laughs> Understandable. Like, the demon coming out of the hole in the end and shit like that, that's all cool. Yeah, you know? that's but, dope. But fucking face-melting dad, no way. Get out of my house. <laughs> that more so than the hands under the bed? Yeah, the hands under the bed are scary, but they're nothing like face-melting face dad. Face-melting, yeah. Because face-melting dad, you know, that, that was the closest that you got to, like, really intense gore as a kid if you didn't, you know, watch a lot of that stuff. And mm-hmm. this was kind of your first experience with that. Because it does walk the line... Really closely to, like, super fucked up gore where you almost imagine there's blood, even though there's not, you know? Yeah, even though it's green slime. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> what about your killer MVP? Uh, so, for me, that's the dude who, like, designed the minions, like, the tiny demons, which is super dope. Which I want to say is Randall William Cook was responsible for, like, all the minion suit sort of thing. And the, I didn't even know that they were, like, people in them. I thought that he just designed mm-hmm. little miniatures. I know that he also designed the big demon, but somebody else made it. Um, but regardless, super dope. Love the minions. Now that I know that it's a suit, I originally just wanted a tiny demon. Now yep. I want to be a demon. <laughs> Well, who doesn't want to be a demon? I mean, that's the way to go. Like, fuck angels. Yeah. Who the hell wants to be an angel? That's boring. You got to be be all nice and wear, like, your stupid yellow crown and shit. No, give me a fucking demon. Yeah, I want to be a little three-fingered, like, little demon just running around. I think they have torns, too. Right, like some... Like, Like ass out, let's do this. Like, like sometimes, you know, (laughs) like, whenever, whenever the church portrays hell as, like, you know, the place where all the all the sinners go, you know, I'm always just like, well, don't tease me with a good time. Like, yeah, that's, it's where all the cool <laughs> kids are. That sounds great. Like, going yep. the, it's like, what, now I'm going to go to heaven with all the fucking, like, pro-life people and shit? Well, that sounds boring. That sounds no, terrible. I don't want to go there. <laughs> Send me to hell, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I will explode um, everybody's he- head in heaven. Yes, exactly. Um, So, so no, my, my mine's pretty similar. I just basically said the whole VFX team because the, the visual effects in this movie are crazy. You know, the, the moment we didn't talk about yet was when the the old man zombie falls forward and then like suddenly changes into a bunch of demons Mm -hmm. and i I could not find the exact quote on this so if i'm wrong about this feel free to (laughs) yell at me uh but for some reason i i remember hearing that that is actually kind of like all in one shot and it's another one of those forced perspective sort of things where like the the actor sort of like fell through something and then they have like the shot of the demon. So it's kind of it's kind of like two shots blended together. Awesome. And it either way, you know, I'm not I'm not explaining it very well because I'm buzzed, but <laughs> but either way, uh, it's an incredible shot. You so know, cool. just just again like the magic of movie making, right? And, and it just blows my mind still to this day that we used to be able to do stuff with like that without you know digital effects. Mm-hmm. We agreed on everything this episode. Yes, we did. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but all right, so uh, every week on Twitter, we always put up your 
or so every week on Twitter at Killer Critics, I always put up a poll, kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film and what you think of it. So between love it, it's fine, don't like it, I've never seen it, where do you think the audience fell on the gate? So I'm oscillating between love it and never seen it, but I'm gonna go with love it because these little demons, how can you not love them? Oh, you would be correct. So love it got fifty seven point eight percent. It's fine got eighteen point eight percent. Don't like it got one point six percent. And never seen it got 21.9%. So yeah. I, I'm pretty, again, this is one of those polls I'm not very surprised by. It's an older film. Uh, I think it's probably lesser known to, mm-hmm. to modern audiences now, which is unfortunate because yeah. The Gate is fucking amazing, <laughs> uh, especially when you're a kid. Um, so those of you that have kids that you want to introduce to something a little more scary that isn't quite as scary as something like Nightmare on Elm Street that we've been mentioning. Mm-hmm. Go with the gate. You, yeah. You'll all have a good time, and your kid will have nightmares and scream or whatever. <laughs> but 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 they'll be they'll, they'll be, be fine. It'll be a good time. It'll be fine. <laughs> they'll be fine. So we always get comments as well from you all. Uh, so these are all from Twitter. First up is a comment from at SplatterCastPod. So that's SplatterCastPod, and they say, "What a fun movie! Gives you the same feelings as stuff like The Monster Squad or The Lost Boys." You can't beat kids taking on evil forces. I absolutely agree with you on that. And I like the fact that those are the other movies you compared it to because then you have monsters, vampires, and then these are little creatures. This is your all ages little creature feature. Don't really understand what you just said, but yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I completely agree. It, it, fun movie. And, and look, you can't beat kids taking on evil forces, you know? <laughs> It's, it, you know, it's like, it's one of my dreams at some point to have, like, a movie that that I've been a part of that is about kids taking on monsters, you know? Because I think, because to me, something I didn't mention through this episode is, to me, it's really important for kids to have movies like this. Yeah. You know, like, for, for those young horror fans, or even for those kids who haven't yet gotten into horror, who, you know, are maybe curious about it, like, they, they need movies like this, and it's why... You know, it's why, like, we're going to talk about movies like Goosebumps and stuff later on through this month that I know a lot of us older people might not like <laughs> as much. But but to me, they're so important for younger kids because younger kids cherish these movies. Mm-hmm. You know, like, some for some kid, The Gate is the movie that got them into horror or Goosebumps is the movie that got mm-hmm. them into horror, you know. And so, so anytime we get movies like this, it's always, like, really exciting for me because even if I don't like it, I know that there's some kid out there that, like, that's the movie that's making them a horror fan for life, you know? Yeah, this is how our uh, community thrives. Right, exactly. So, so no, completely agree. So, thank you, at SpiderCastPod, for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at MissSparrow23. So, that's M-S-S-P-A-R-R-O-W, and the number is 2-3. And they say, we like to blame this movie for why my boyfriend is the way he is. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I feel like I can say the same thing. In which way? (laughs) (laughs) Well, how does the gates define me, Chris? (laughs) It's one of your gateway horror films. It's one of the things that contributed to your love of the genre and everything like that. I feel like if you hadn't seen this and Christine at such a young age, you might be a different person. Now, granted, I... (laughs) (laughs) What would have happened if you would maybe watch Star Wars instead? Would you be a Star Wars nerd? No, Star Wars is boring. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. I like Star Wars. I don't think, you know, it's not one of my favorite movies, though. <laughs> For me, that's the gate. You know, yeah. I would take the gate over Star Wars. 
No, I, you know, first of all, I, I, I love that in the, you know, your boyfriend sounds like my kind of person. You sound like exactly. my kind of person. So. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, this movie, this movie is probably the reason for a lot of the ways, or, or this movie is probably the reason for a lot of us in the way we are, right? You mm-hmm. know, because like Chris just said, you know, I don't know if I'd be much different had I not seen The Gate and seen something else, but, but, but a lot of us, I think, growing up around the time of the gates release we did grow up with this movie and you know it, it probably is responsible for a lot of the ways we are so yeah uh so anyway thank you at miss sparrow 23 for the comment appreciate it and then lastly is a comment from at shannon morant so that's s-h-a-n-n-o-n-m-o-r-a-n-t and he just has a question for us he asked would you call this a kid's version of hellraiser no <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, why do you say no? Um, I don't know. I, <laughs> I guess my my vehement no against it is be just because Hellraiser is such a uh, more extreme movie. He said kids' version, Chris. I know. <laughs> I I might be a little bit too drunk to figure out how they're similar. Okay, well, so so there's no puzzle box. There's dope geodes, though. Use your imagination, Chris. It doesn't have to just be a puzzle box. <laughs> um, look, so me, so for me, Your geodes are a puzzle box. No, they're not. Uh, so for me, <laughs> they're a rock. <laughs> they're that not you a have puzzle. to puzzle open. No, you don't. You crack them open. It's very simple. Um, so <laughs> Tell five-year-old me that. Well, five-year-old you was just not. You, had, very you, smart. Had, you had your issues. Um, so no, look, so so when I first read this question. Uh, you know, my initial reaction was, no, I don't really see uh, a lot of similarities outside of the demons. But, you know, then as I thought about it more, I, I don't necessarily know if I would call it the Hellraiser kids version. Uh, but I do see similarities in the sense that, you know, Hellraiser is a film that itself is kind of about the sins of adulthood, right? Uh, like Hellraiser, you know the whole deal there are is about these adults that are trying to seek experiences that kind of take them beyond what they know, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and part of what is going on with Frank and Julia is, you know, this, this very adult sort of sinful kind of lust that's sort of taking them down this dark path. Right. And, and it's kind of like how that brings them to hell in a sense. And, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, well, the gate is similar in a sense because we are dealing with characters that are sort of afraid of that adulthood, you know, that are kind of afraid of that sort of sin or darkness or whatever that 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 growing up experience brings, you know, so they're mm-hmm. not they're not exactly the same and that the kids aren't like willingly indulging in sin, but they are kind of they're they're weary and afraid of of what being an adult is going to mean you know Mm -hmm. so so i do think there are some similarities to it and you know especially in terry's case like he's a kid who was kind of drawn to uh the elements of hell and all that stuff and the dark side so so there is a little bit of him i think that you could say is related to hellraiser in a sense um so i guess the long i guess the short answer to your question is yeah i see some similarities I don't know if I'd quite call it the kid's Hellraiser, but I definitely see why you asked the question. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I do think that if you wanted to make that argument, those those similarities are definitely there in some ways. But anyway, thank you at Shannon Morant for the comment. Appreciate it. And so we, as far as releases go this week, uh, some fun stuff, none of which I have seen, unfortunately, but, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, first it was a film called Pussy Cake, which comes to which is now on Screenbox, and this is basically about a an all girls rock band that encounters demons. Uh, I tried to watch it on Screenbox; it did not have subtitles, <laughs> which was unfortunate. I don't know if that's an error on our end or Screenbox. So hopefully if you try to watch it, you will have the subtitles available. All five uh, minutes of it looked really cool. But it did, but it did seem cool from what we saw of it before we gave up on there not being subtitles <laughs> and not understanding the language. Uh, but So that's on Screenbox. Uh, another film is called Who Invited Them, which is now on Shudder at the time you're listening to this. And this is basically like a, a home invasion film about people that show up to a party and then refuse to leave, basically. <laughs> Um, so I've not seen this one, but I've heard some good things about it. So you can check that out if you want, if you're into those kind of movies. And then lastly is a film called The Harbinger, which is on VOD on Friday. And uh, this one I don't know much about, but I heard some really good things about it coming out of Popcorn Frights, the film festival. Uh, so if you have not, so if you're curious about that one, you can check that out. So some interesting stuff this weekend, you know, no, nothing that I'm like run out and see, but but I've heard I've heard good things about all, all of these. So. Next week we're g- is going to be on Goosebumps, the movie from what is it like 2015 or something like that. Uh, unfortunately, it is not streaming. I don't. I have trouble recommending renting it yeah. because I don't love it. It's you know it, at least not for like most of you listening to this podcast, you know, because you're you know it's it's definitely more geared towards kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's still fun. I'm I think- excited to revisit it. I'm excited to revisit it, and I, st- I think it's still fun. So it is, you know, you can rent it if you would like, if you haven't seen it. So you can do your homework there. Uh, otherwise, that's going to do it for us on The Gate. So I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. And have a good night, horror fans. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled, just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans. <laughs> <laughs>